Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. 801 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sorfi, what are you waiting for? Kintech. To the phone lines we go. The dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. The first line, the only, the first call, the only call. This call goes to Rick Dollywall here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? How you doing, boys? How you doing? Uh, we're Okay. I think we're in better shape than the Vancouver Canucks are right now. Was well, that their worst game of the season, Rick? I will tell you this. If management uh, isn't concerned, they should be now. Uh, I would be shocked if they're not concerned, Jason, because this is 1-5-1 and one in their last six. They're pretty lucky, too, because the top teams in the West and in their division are kind of just like them around the 500 mark in the last 10, 15 games. And they better get it together because Sunday in Anaheim, Okay, that one could be an easy one. But after that, they got the Kings again, then Vegas, Winnipeg, and Colorado. What's concerning to me is Tockett is saying the same thing in the postgame every time. We got six, seven guys. Their game's not there. He's not talking about the bottom half of the roster. He's talking about Pedersen, Lindholm, McKeev, uh, Hughes, and Aronic. He's talking about the top guys. And, it, it, you know, he's talking about the superstars. You know, the Kings played their third game in four nights. They outworked and outskated the Canucks. Canucks had three shots on goal in the first period, eight shots halfway through the game. Look at the giveaways by the top players. Pedersen on the second goal. On the fourth goal, Pedersen got his pocket picked by Kopitar. Hughes got caught pinching. Besser wasn't great on the back check. Fifth goal was Miller. That's the top players, not the bottom six guys. The top players. That's got to be concerning to management right now. And, and, you know, and this is a question we've been talking about all week on the show is Demko playing too much. Kings got five goals on 20 shots. That's 11 of the last 13 games he has started. So the biggest concern for the coaching staff and management, it's the star players. It's not the bottom half of the roster that is struggling right now. So if your management and the trade deadline is approaching and the playoffs are approaching, frankly, what do you do about it? Well, you poke, you, you, you poke, you do what they're doing, Jason, making calls. But I, I'm not sure. Like I know the, the the term big game hunting gets used a lot in this market, but I'm not sure the prices are really high right now. And they found that out with Chris Tanev. They couldn't do Tanev. You know, the Calgary market is ripping the flames for the Tanev return, and. And so the Canucks couldn't do Tanev. I'll get into Tanev later. But the prices are high right now, and I'm not so sure the Canucks are big game hunting. I wouldn't be surprised if they just add depth because simply, look, they've already made a couple of big deals. They got Zdorov, they got Lindholm, right? And, you know, you look at uh, what Karamaki's doing. 
um, over in Sweden. What's he got now? I think 18 goals uh, or 17. He's a 19-year-old in the top Swedish league. He's doing wonderful. I don't want to. You know, I wouldn't want to be if you're a Canucks fan. Cough up a guy like that, um, you know, for just to get a big name at the deadline. I'm not so sure they're big game hunting. We will see. But I'm, the prices are pretty high. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they just added depth. But there's a, the, the trade deadline's a week today. Uh, time will tell which uh, way they go. Uh, so talk to us about Pedersen and what you've heard about how this last week has played out. Oh, boy. Uh, very interesting how we got here, Jason. Two things played a role. First, the noise in the market was too much for the team and the player. They can't have... Pedersen news breaking about his contract every week when you're getting a team ready for the NHL playoffs. Pedersen himself said two days ago, I hear the noise, a lot of noise in the Canadian market. Now, do not discount the noise in the market issue. There was a lot of leaks in the past week, and when it came to Pedersen news, some people were not very happy about that. So, you know, the noise was an issue. But the second thing, teams started calling. Uh, the Canucks about Pedersen after hearing all that noise, and that worked in the Canucks' favor. Carolina showed big-time interest. No team is going to trade for Pedersen without an extension. If he wasn't extending in Vancouver, he wasn't going to extend in Carolina. Canucks met with Pedersen. They did. It wasn't Pedersen going to the Canucks. It was the Canucks meeting with Pedersen. They had a good talk, and look, it was explained. You know, there's a lot of noise. You know, there's a possibility of a trade. And I'll combine that combination and the meeting, that was enough to get Patterson and his camp to the negotiating t- table. But some people still think uh, Patterson, like a week ago or two weeks ago, there was no desire from Patterson to talk contract. There wasn't. He wanted to talk after the season. Some people still feel he doesn't want to. But this is the situation. Here's where we are. And it's, it's gearing up towards them doing something. After being frustrated, it was a brilliant move, by the way, by Rutherford. After being frustrated with a lack of concrete talks, Rutherford found a way to get the talks going again. Ownership. No one's talked about ownership this week. You cannot cut a deal of this magnitude without their approval. They got that approval. Canucks clearly made it um, made it clear to, to the Pedersen's camp, we don't want a Kachuk and Goudreau in Calgary situation. We're trying to avoid that. They have seen a lot of star players leave Canadian cities in the last few years. They do not want that to happen with Pedersen. Now, I said they're, they're talking all term, like lots of term, right? I said six, seven, eight years yesterday. could be lower than six. Canucks want long term. They don't want three or four years. They don't want that. They're in this mess because the previous regime only did Pedersen for three, and they don't want to do that again. They don't want to go through this scenario. In, in the perfect world, they can get him at six, seven, eight years, but it's up to him and what his camp feels is, is appropriate. But no way the Canucks want to three- or four-year deal, but we'll see which way uh, these talks go. doesn't matter how they got here, guys. They're here. They're talking contract. Let's see if it happens. So I guess the big question that I have is, have yep. the Canucks heard what they want to hear from PD, which is, I want to be a Vancouver Canuck. I don't want to have yep. my arm twisted into being a Vancouver Canuck. Yeah. I really, truly want to be a Vancouver Canuck. 
they got that when when Patterson gave his agents uh, permission to talk, and I, I think uh, they got that when uh, he got the agents got the permission and the go ahead to start talking with the Canucks. I, you know what? Uh, I think he's there. I think he's there. I, I two three weeks ago, I, I I don't think he was there. He met with the agents in Toronto at the All Star game. Nothing changed. Like everyone thought, oh my goodness, there's going to be this big meeting with the agents in Toronto at the All Star game. Nothing changed. And but this week, obviously, things changed. And they are talking, and like I said, I, I, it, it doesn't matter how they got here. They're talking, and from what everyone I talk to is, is, is like some people think this is going to get done. It, it, it's, it's going to get done. If it doesn't get done, well, then they got to go back to the drawing board. Okay, I have a two-parter for you. Here's the first mm. part. Do mm. you think these contract discussions or the the noise in the marketplace is affecting Pedersen's play on the ice? Yeah, I didn't think it was. I was pretty adamant it wasn't. But when he told Ian McIntyre exactly that, that he he hears the noise, then you know what? It it, it is it is correct. It, it it was getting to him. I didn't think it was because he wasn't talking contract. But clearly, we're in a Canadian market. Players here, they clearly you know some of them know what's going on Twitter. Some of them know what's going on the talk shows. They know Canucks Twitter. They obviously got friends who send them stuff. Hey, look, did you see this? This is what they're saying about you. It's a Canadian market. It's incredibly hard not to hear the noise. But when he told Ian McIntyre, yes. I hear the noise, and it's, 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 there's a lot of noise in the Canadian market. Absolutely, Jason, I think it got to him. Absolutely. I think that's one of the major reasons why we are where we are today, the, the noise. Here's part two of the question. Should the Canucks be concerned about hitching their wagon to a player whose play seems to be affected by the noise in the marketplace? Because, Rick, I think yep. we can all agree that yep. the Canucks goal is to get back to a Stanley Cup final and maybe even win it this time. I don't know if you recall the playoffs or the noise of 2011, but there's a lot of it. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, there was a lot of pressure too, right? And and those guys in 211, like I always look at the Sedin twins and how brilliant they were on and off the ice. I, I don't think those guys ever let the noise get to them. Like, I don't ever remember the Sedin twins um, being affected by the market, um, that what was being said in the media. And, you know, I never ever heard uh, from any agents uh, that the Sedin twins were concerned about what was happening in the market. I, those guys just went out and played and were consummate pros on and off the ice. And, and we live in a different world now, though. Most of the Sedin twins' career, there wasn't social media. These guys got so I'm not blaming it on social media uh, at all, but these guys all have cell phones now, and it's easy to see what what the media and social media is saying about them. It's a different. It, it, Twenty years ago, there was no cell phones and no social media. Nowadays, I'm sorry, but it's a part. It's a you know I talk to agents all the time. Guys, you know hey, I can't believe this guy said this. This guy said that. It's a part of the makeup of an NHL player. Now, you don't have to deal with that in Columbus or or Carolina or L.A. or Florida, mm-hmm. but you sure do in a Canadian market. It, it does get to you sometimes. There's no question. Uh, these guys are human. Uh, you know, Tockett said Pedersen went to him two, two, three, four weeks ago and said, how do I deal with the noise? So, you know, it's affecting them. It is. You know, and and I'm I'm sorry, but it is, and it's a part of the makeup of an NHL player in the Canadian market is the noise that comes with playing in a Canadian market. But Rick, like you know, on a personal level, we've had discussions about the state yeah. of like let's say journalism in 
Oh. In the time. Okay, to see? See, yeah, see no, your reaction. And, 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 and what was my advice to you was yeah. don't go pining for the good old days because they're yeah. done. You just have to focus on the things that you can control because if yeah. you get too hung up and emotional on that, like just wishing things could be different, yep. like th- it's not going to change. Like they well, could, they could, they could, they could, you know, fire Halford and Bruff, but like, you know, there's still going to be people that are creating noise on social media or, you know, uh, you know, th- there's, that is part of playing in Canada yep. and you can't it change it. So yep. my concern. But he's a high profile player though, J- Jason. He's, and, and listen, we got public jobs. We get ripped all the time. Yeah. Right? Not I mean, to the same extent, not to the same not extent. To the extent. I mean, but like I, if I'm investing a hundred million dollars in a player yeah. and I'm going eight years, I want to make sure that that player can handle the pressures of the market because, you know, people can say, I wish it was different. And it was like, well, I wish I won the lottery, but I'm probably not going to. But why is he he on the verge of getting $100 Jason, because he did something right, right? Mm, yeah, they're totally. Talk, they're, yeah, they're not talking about a, a contract for $3 million a year. They're talking about a contract for either over 12 or under 12 because he has done some incredible, uh, you know, he's got incredible stats up to this date, which has put his agents in a really good position to get a lot of money. Right. This isn't a three, four, five million dollar player. This is a player that's going to cash in big time because of what he's done on the ice in the previous four, five, six years. So, look, I understand what you're saying, but it's part and parcel um, with everything that's uh, happening with him right now. It's it's been an incredible week. This last seven days, I, uh, Jason, I can't tell you that. Like it's 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 just been such a roller coaster, up and down. There's something Mm -hmm. new every day, and. And I and I think the Canucks want to put that to bed. You know, they got a team that's leading the Western Conference, leading their division, and they just don't need this um, news every day of the week popping up about their one of their star players and their contract. That's why I think they want to get to the table, nip it in the bud, and just move on. I do want to say something about the contract. A deal of this magnitude, most agents are going to look to get as much as possible in a signing bonus, much as possible front loaded. They will get they'll get their no move and they'll get their AAV as well. Now, if the Canucks somehow get the number in the 11s, that means the players done the team a huge favor. The only way to win in the NHL is if players of Pedersen's ilk do them a favor and take less. Look at the Maple Leafs. You don't want that scenario on your hands. So if you can do a Pedersen contract quickly, then you can concentrate fully on the trade deadline, which is a week today. And I have been told Pedersen trade talks are not holding up any trade. uh, Pedersen contract talks are not holding up any trade talks at all. They continue to monitor uh, the trade market, but it's going to be interesting when it's all said and done, uh, the magnitude of this deal. Um, did you have anything more to say about Tanev? Yes, quickly. The, the Canucks uh, were in on Tanev right to the end. Didn't have the assets to get it done. The Flames were looking for a young defenseman. They already took one from Vancouver and Hunter Biscavage in the Lindholm deal. Tanev going to a Western Conference team, not great news, right? The Canucks management players loved Tanev, but they couldn't get it done. Tanev himself was very curious if he would end up in Vancouver in a trade. Hard for players not to get up caught up in trade rumors. He was very well aware of the Canucks' interest. Vancouver was number one on his places to go in the trade. He still has many friends in uh, that Canucks dressing room in Vancouver, and he loves the city. Now, here's where it gets dicey. Vancouver's going to, you know, they'll now likely try and get Tanov on July 1st, but that won't be easy. 
Sources tell me TANF can get up to $5 million a year in the summer. Canucks won't like that number. They need TANF at a way lower number. But there is so much interest in this player, the price keeps going up. So just to make to make it a long story, um, I, I was told a few weeks ago TANF on July 1st could get, uh, you know, $4 million. Now it's up to five. Ottawa came in. They made him an offer. Uh, that was pretty significant as well. This player's value, like his uh, respect around the league, is pretty incredible. And if I, I look at the Canucks on the UFA market, they got their own defensemen, right? UFAs, Ian Cole, Zadorov, and Myers. But when I look at some UFA defensemen this summer, I don't see any cheap signings for the Canucks. You know the Surrey native, Brendan Dillon, would probably love to sign in his hometown of Vancouver. He's at $3.9 million. I can't see him drop very much. Matt Roy of the Kings, right shot D available, could be. Matt Dumba, Canucks' best bet may be to re-sign Myers. He wants to be back. He's got an off-season home in Kelowna. Maybe he gives the discount uh, the Canucks need, but uh, boy, they got three UFAs, and everything I'm hearing about UFA defensemen of that ilk, those guys are all looking for uh, decent money on July 1st. Um, the people want to know about Phil Kessel. Anything new uh, there? I checked in yesterday. I, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told everyone earlier in the week. Both sides want to get it done. They're just, I, I think the Castle Camp is just waiting. I don't know what the holdup is. Everything is fine in terms of both sides liking this to end up in a marriage uh, a signing, but um, there's just a, a holdup right now. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's related to the trade deadline, but I, as I was told yesterday, same as earlier in the week, both sides want to get it done. Rick, thank you so much. Enjoyable head as always. Enjoy the weekend, buddy. All right, big guy. <laughs> you got a big guy there at the end. You got a big guy. Yeah. My 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 point is is that um, to use one of your favorite lines, especially lately, the reality of the situation for Pedersen, and frankly for the fans in this market that are constantly complaining about all the noise, yet making themselves part of the noise by complaining about the noise. Uh-huh. The market is what the market is. And my conversation with Dollywall was like related to that because he said to a few times, you know, like, I, I, you know, I hate, hate the rumors on social media. I'm like, buddy, they ain't going away. Right. So you, so what was, it's the reality of the situation. So, so what was Tockett's advice to Petey and Tockett talked about it the other day. And this is so much easier said than done. Control the things that you can control. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really difficult. And a lot of the fans will push back on the media and be like, why don't you take accountability for what you stir up? I'm like, well, first of all, I don't think we intentionally stir up anything. If anything, we're just trying to have fun talking about a hockey team. But even if there are, and, but, but there are media that do that for sure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe we're, but guess what? It is the reality of the situation. It ain't going away. And it's, it, it's it, been it, like this since the foundation of the team. Reporters it, have been doing this since the team was formed. It is, it's just there was no social media then, but it still existed. It is part of the reason why the Vancouver Canucks are worth well over a billion dollars and teams like Columbus are not. That is the passion of the marketplace. If you think hockey players in this city have a lot to deal with, go to like international soccer, the things that those guys have to deal with. Go watch the Maradona documentary about when he went to Napoli. Like it, it's the pressure it's, on Messi he has to play every single match. Apparently, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't take a day off. So, poor guy. so what I'm what I'm saying is is like 
you can sit there and go like, it's wrong that it's this way. It shouldn't be this way. Petey shouldn't have to deal with that. You know, to which you could push back if you want. But even, like, I won't push back on that. I'll say, yeah, but he's going to have to. So the the movie line I often quote is is the Goodfellas one when um, the guy with the uh, with the bar gets a loan from the or he gets involved with uh, the mafia, right? And then then like you know he makes a deal with the devil, and I'm going to have to make this sound really lame. It sounded a lot easier when uh, Ray Liotta was saying it, but like once you took Paulie's money. Mm-hmm. Business bad? F you. Pay me. Oh, you had a fire? F you. Pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? F you. Pay me. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of like attitude that you almost got to have in a market like Vancouver. But it's hard. Yeah. Nobody's saying it's easy. And that's why for Pedersen, it's very important. And for the Canucks, it's very important that we they make sure that this is the right fit because why I set it up like I did with Dolly Wall saying like hey do you think this distraction is um affecting his play and he's like yeah I think it is so like well wait until the pressure of the playoffs yeah wait until the noise around the playoffs that that's all I'm saying and 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 I I hope the Canucks are having these conversations and I and I'm not advocating one way or the other I'm really not I'm yeah. just bringing it out there because I've seen what the pressure of the marketplace can do to players here in Vancouver. Now, the guy who always rips me for talking about Luongo, he's been blocked for a week. But, mm-hmm. like, I think there were times that the pressure of the marketplace got to Luongo. And the noise... Pumping my tires quote. ...got to Luongo. And the noise got to the organization. And, in fact, let's take Luongo out of this equation because I think that guy might be unblocked and he might be sending more texts. Yeah. My contract sucks. Mike Gillis has conceded. He he admitted that as an organization, we did not handle the outside noise well during that Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So it's just something that you have to think about when you're committing that much to a player. Like, don't you think that don't you think that possibly Jonathan Huberdeau having trouble in Calgary and then all the people talking about Huberdeau having trouble in Calgary contributed to Jonathan Huberdeau having more trouble in Calgary. Yes. And I the think- fact that he feels maybe a little bit even trapped by this big contract. Mm-hmm. That, and people will say, well, I don't feel sorry for him. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for him, but the Flames are in a tough situation now. That's all. Yeah, I, d- I think there's a lot there to unpack. Part of it, and you brought up, I don't know whether this was intentional or not, but you're like, I, you know, someone was criticizing me, so I blocked them. Well, that's what we often tell the professional athletes to do in a sort of more yeah. not literal sense because you can't, you don't have the benefit of just blocking it out. It's tough to block it out because it's everywhere. And at the same time, uh, it affects you. Even though you've taken, at some would say, painstaking measures to block it out, it still has an effect to the point where you're doing like a live therapy session on radio at like 8.24 <laughs> in the morning. So glass houses and throwing stones and all that, there is something to be said for, well, wait a minute, there's two ways to go about it. Either you deal with the pressure, or we tell you to deal with the pressure and the outside noise, or... You're like, can we adjust the pressure levels and the outside noise levels? Now, I don't know if either is possible. I actually don't think it is. 
I think it's. I think they're. I think maybe, organizationally, the things there that can that the Canucks can do. You know, talk and mention that we have a, a mental health coach that you can go to, and he right. can give you strategies to deal with. You can protect them in in certain ways. You know, you can give them advice. The young players, I think, it's very important to talk to them about social media and the impact it can have on you psychologically. Yep. So there are things that you can do, but sometimes it just takes a certain type of personality to thrive in these high pressure moments. Yeah, and then that's that's where the argument comes in about well, what happens if we made it a less pressure environment? And I, I, I don't I get it. I absolutely get it. I can understand, but I'm with you at the end of the day when we talk about the reality of the situation. I'm just not sure any of it's realistic. I think it's a dynamic that's baked into this city, this market, this team, and most importantly, the fan base. Because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Is there's a lot of people that are hyper-focused on this one particular thing and one particular team in this city. And that is, you get the good of it, you get the bad of it, and you get the otherwise of it. And speaking of the otherwise of it, we are way up against it for time. we got to go to break. we got to come back. A $100 gift card to the best Ask Us Anything submission. Uh, that's to AJ's Pizzeria on East Broadway. Uh, we'll do our What We Learns. We'll do our Ask Us Anythings. We'll have fun. For the final half hour of the final show of the week, you're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Kelowna, California. West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah. Kelowna, baby. Best place in the world right here. <laughs> Kelowna, California. Hey, 32 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. What we learn is ask us anything. AJ gift card giveaway. It's all coming up. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay. I got a what we learned. Okay. Um, now, you know, we've been kind of on the Logan stank oven. Stank oven. Stank oven. Mm-hmm. Fire up the stank oven. So he got recalled to uh, the Dallas Stars from their AHL affiliate in Texas. He kind of kicked the door down because he was the leading scorer in the American League. He's having this great season. Very prized prospect. He got to the NHL, and he showed right away, this kid is legit. Plays in four games, has four points, three goals in his first four games. Kind of making good on all this promise down in the American League, right? Like, hey, this kid is a very talented prospect of the American League, and that production he was having. At the American League level, it's carried over. Second in the league in scoring. To the NHL. So befittingly, they sent him back to the American League 36 minutes ago. There's a caveat. What's the caveat? The early returns and the, the source on this being Sean Shapiro yes. of the Athletic. or Actually, he's with Elite Prospects now. I believe. Yes. Uh, saying that it's just a paper move. Yeah, that's what And he will like. likely Good. be back up before their next. Likely, so it's not confirmed, mm, but good. likely will be back. I, got, I wonder if this I was hoping it was like an old school move, like that one time you didn't get it deep, 
You're going back yeah. to. Didn't finish that check, Logan. <laughs> I remember to go back to the, the my beloved football slash soccer references. Remember Carl Robinson, the old manager of the Whitecaps? Yeah. They called uh, him Robbo. Yes. I was doing a big article on Alfonso Davies, and I was talking to Robbo, and he said that uh, Arsene Wenger, the former manager at Arsenal, mm-hmm. had uh, a young Welshman, Aaron Ramsey, playing, and Robbo knew him because they're Welsh, so he kept tabs on him. And he said that every fourth match, no matter how good or bad Ramsey played, <laughs> he'd just bench him. <laughs> he wouldn't play him. And the kid was so confused. He's like, I'd go out and have a blinder, and I'd get benched. I'd be like, what's going on here? And then I'd have a poor match. And I'd be benched. I'd be like, the result seems to be the same. And he said it was all just about keeping a young guy in check. It's like it didn't matter. He just had this weird rule where it was like we just – it's like you needed a benching, mm-hmm. whether good, bad, or otherwise. Keep you honest. Keep you humble. Yeah. So I wondered if that's what was going on here where Jim Nill was like, hey, I just, I just stank oven. Great job. You're going back to the minors. I just learned something. I've never heard the phrase or the term blinder before. Yeah. That's a soccer thing. Yeah. yeah. He's having it a means blinder. a good game. Yeah. That's unlike the horse racing blinder. As opposed to a clanger. A clanger. Ooh. Clanger's bad. And a howler's bad, howler's too, right? Bad. But a howler is a play. Howler's a, yeah. Like a goalie like howler's cow. like a he bad play. He let in play. a howler. It's usually a howler is a, a monkey. It's a howler monkey. That, that's it. Also that. Yeah, okay. they're howler monkeys. They scream anyway, really loud. I'm learning a lot here. So yeah. uh, good on the stank. Good on Stank Oven. He's been great since he went up. We will. Uh, he's forever going to be tied locally, too. We could have had him. He's from here, but we took Klimovich. There's like 12 markets all saying we could have had him. <laughs> right? That was a howler of a decision at the draft. Yeah, a clanger, if you will. <laughs> um, so let's go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Let's print out some submissions and announce the winner of the $100 gift card. What we learned, Ask Us Anything, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God. Uh, Jay from Delta, a very apropos question. Ask us anything. When you're down and out of it, potentially frustrated, do you guys have a comfort food? Mine is pizza. I'd love to go to AJ's Pizza and order a pizza with extra cheese to cheer me up after this Canuck slump. So first of all, great question. Tied it in with the sponsor. Um, Comfort foods for me... Um, I, I've actually become more of a sugar guy as I've gotten older, which is weird because normally it's like the kids that love the sugar. Um, but I've become more of a sugar guy, but I'm still, if I'm talking about real comfort food, I need me some like greasy food. So, uh, pizza is definitely Mm -hmm. one for me. And the other one that you and I both said is poutine. Yeah. There was a low point in my life where I had a, a job at a mall. It was tough. It wasn't right. great. I didn't like it. I didn't like working there. Mm-hmm. And so on my lunch break, I'd go down to the uh, food court. Yeah. And ev- there'd be a New York fries just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I'd be staring at it. And I'm like, I know this is bad for me. <laughs> but I need it. I know that the rest, need it. the rest of the day is going to be like poutine affected. It's I'm going to be like even more lethargic. Yeah, you're going to regret it. Yeah. But you just need this little bit of something good. I also knew in the pantheon of quality poutine. Mm-hmm. Like New York fries is, it's pretty low, you know. Like yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah, it's still fries. But you hated pretty- yourself. You actually didn't deserve anything better. Than <laughs> that, that was the thing. I'm like, <laughs> look at you. You don't deserve good putain. Go to the food court, and then you. I mean, the other options include like Manchu Walk. 
Is there a Manchu walk that exists outside of a food court? I don't think that's allowed. It's is illegal. it? Yeah. Why does your comfort uh, food have to make you feel horrible though? Yeah, like it didn't I, at the mine time. is <laughs> in the in the moments eating it. Yeah, that's yeah, true. The you moments like, that you're yeah, eating it. Yeah. Makes you you feel just amazing. you regret it five seconds after you're done. Like there's yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But then you take a look around. You're wearing a Planet Superstar outfit. And you're... <laughs> this this fits. And then, now there's a little bit of gravy. On yeah. It. <laughs> now like, I got to work four more hours. Um, I got for, a name tag that says Bart. My name's not even Bart. What's for yours, me, uh, Tomato soup and a grilled cheese sandwich. That's Love tomato soup, especially mm-hmm. on a rainy day. Right. And also, and God, I, you are seven years old. Yeah, but <laughs> also, that's a good comfort food. Also, I had it last night, another comfort food I love. And After the Canucks? Yeah. No, it was for my dinner. Uh, is ramen. I love ramen. And it, living in the West End, there's like, you're spoiled for choice. There's like mm-hmm. 20 really good ones within five minutes in my house. And uh, yeah, a uh, nice bowl of ramen, especially again on a rainy day. What is it that Nothing makes you it. feel like, because I think ramen is junk. What? Yeah. Wow. Ramen That's, is like uh, soup, but also. I respect um, your opinion, even if it's, it's the wrong one. It's soup that eats like a meal. I actually, like, it can be. Have you had, have you had be, real ramen, be, though? Yeah. I'm not talking about the stupid little things you boil up in hot yeah. water. I mean, like, I li- real I've ramen. lived in Vancouver my whole life. I've had real ramen. You don't like with the boiled it's egg okay. and the chashu it's okay. meat? I, maybe I What'd shouldn't have said it? junk. Chashu, chashu, chashu. <laughs> Cashew meat? No, the, the meat. The meat with the ramen. Yeah. Sometimes the meat for me is just like, this is dicey. Well, you got to let it boil in the. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't just eat right away. Yeah, I got ridiculed for my comfort food. I've, I've, I've mentioned mine on the air before. What's yours, Slatty? It's a, a nice big bowl of uh, habitant pea soup. Oh, the I, yellow, the big yellow the big can. Yellow can. Oh I, I don't God. know what I, I grew pea up. Soup. Yeah, that is it's, it's hearty. Food? It fills you up and it sits warm in your belly. Somehow you and are my grandmother. I don't know how it happened. I love it. Yeah. I, I will live off that. It's got the little chunks of ham in yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good made one. in Quebec. Yeah, there is an important part of comfort food that harkens back to nostalgia mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oftentimes i mean like we didn't eat 20 or 30 years ago like we do now right here's a question is the you. entire city of vancouver going to go through like a comfort food weekend with Possibly. the way that the canucks are playing and, and all due respect to like the, the, we- the weather's a little bit it's it's, it's a little wet and you, cold you and everyone knows that we got like the, the city we, is the yeah. biggest slum buster on the planet's coming up on sunday right like anaheim's awful oh god now i know gonna... i said it <laughs> Uh, by the way, I, th- I was asking this question the other day. I want to—I don't even care that we're throwing the show off kilter. I want to ask because we're at a certain age, and like, um, what age were you when you first ate sushi? Because it was not readily no. available. Yeah, when I, 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 did, I ate it as a kid, and I remember not I really liking it. As I grew a kid. up in Ontario. I didn't have it until I was like sixteen, seventeen. You ate habitat soup. We know. Well, yeah. you I've told you the story about being in elementary school, and there was a Japanese kid um, that ate sushi and we were all like gross yeah i you know? think i would have been out so of- i was probably in high school because you were born in like 1912 yeah so it was a hard time available. in the world right that was a little different back then. yeah yeah but yeah because like because now mm-hmm. they're because I, th- I think i was having this conversation referenced with my buddy with our kids and like they eat like they have a hot lunch program at school and one of the things that they get for hot lunch is sushi from the local sushi place. Right, which Sushi's is weird because that's not hot. No, it's a cold lunch. Okay, let's not get bogged down in that part. Mm-hmm. I know we get bogged <laughs> down in a lot of semantics on the show, but that just is a lunch program. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, as a but, kid, but, I thought it was kind of gr- – gr- I couldn't wrap my head around the raw fish. but then I like some, raw fish. Sometime during high school, I guess it just clicked for me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But without, yeah. yeah. No, but, in hindsight, I'm like, I'm s- sorry, Wagner. <laughs> what you were eating was delicious. The xenophobic aspect aside <laughs> – I'm talking about the availability. Like, we did not have a lunch program at school. The lunch program at school was like hot dogs, also well, hot dogs. Here's a question I have. For, here's a follow-up question. Yes. When was the first time you ever had poutine? Because my first time I ever eating poutine was actually 
in Quebec. Yeah, that's true. When my buddy was at university at McGill, and I'm like, "This is amazing. Yeah. Why isn't this more readily available?" Yeah, that's you have it out here. The readily, the readily availableness of this stuff. Because mm-hmm. mine was when I discovered it in my 20s, whilst working at a mall. <laughs> Don't worry, you're doing fine. Yeah. As long as you didn't get it from a gas station first. Did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. Oz and Squamish uh, ask us anything. My wife and I are going to Dune on Sunday, possibly the last movie we go to before yeah. our son is born. I'm seeing it Saturday. Okay. My question is, uh, what are your top three favorite movies? Mine are The Princess Bride, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, nice and picks. The Born Identity. Oz, Boy. I feel like I know you already. Um, Some great choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oz, you are a dog. A, a, a lover of good films? Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? Uh, Princess Bride is good. And The Board Night Identity. No comment on Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, we've asked this, I think we've answered this one quite a few times. So instead of going down the, I like The Godfather and yeah, Goodfellas yeah. and Casino. Why do you speak um, all the gangster movies? Because I'm a gangster. Okay. Here's. Yeah. <laughs> really rough, really I'm rough. I'm like one rigging. of those golfing <laughs> yeah. gangsters yeah. that likes to sleep during the day. Yeah. Because uh, I'm out all night doing gangster stuff. Right, right. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what movie has been most influential in your life? And I'm not talking about a documentary like, it opened my eyes to the ultra-processed food we eat, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to... like. Although Super Size Me did stick with me for okay, a while. Okay, all right. Uh, and uh, Again, uh, fiction, uh, I suppose it could be drawn from real life, but not a documentary... Movie that influenced you most? How far do you have to go first, okay. or which will be hilarious? Uh, I remember now. This I'm older now, so it doesn't apply. But I remember very definitively uh, in those the, the college years where you're you're doing a lot of figuring stuff out. I remember being enamored and thinking that John Cusack's character in High Fidelity, Rob Gordon, was like the perfect like character. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was equal parts of like cool. But also completely messed up. Is he a huge jerk in that movie? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That checks out. He was, and he was. I think. I think I was. I think I had just broken up with a long term girlfriend at the time. And the whole the whole premise of the movie is he goes back and visits with a bunch of his ex girlfriends to figure out like what's wrong with me, right? right? So it wasn't like a. Have you done that before? No, I wanted to self-reflect, um, Halford. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. God forbid. Now I'm like, what a waste of time that would be. I uh, learned that self-reflection is dangerous because you might not like what you find. A waste of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had a record. He had a record store. He had this lineup of like really attractive ex-girlfriends, which included Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, I just remember that sticking out for the longest time. Mm. So, and this is, and now twenty years later, it's of no reflection of my life whatsoever. But I yeah. distinctly, distinctly remember that one in the first moment that you asked that question. That's what I was thinking. A dog, most influential movie for you in your life. I mean, oh man, I am I'm gonna kind of cheat because <laughs> James Bond. Yeah, a couple, <laughs> a couple of my two of my favorite movies were also very influential. They both made me want to be an actor when I was a kid, or at the very least, see how films were made because they just blew my mind so much. And okay. the first was, uh, which is my favorite film of all time, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. I just it blew my mind that a, you could do that in a movie that you could. The, just the technical wizardry of it all okay. without using special effects. Which the, beach, the beach scene, the landing scene. Well, just the whole movie was yeah, just yeah. like... Per, uh, Incredible. It, it just blew me special a, effects at the end. Though. It blew he me away. Well, well, yes, that is a special effect. Yeah. He, he blew me away. It blew me away. So like, I, I really wanted to learn about film after that. And then from an acting standpoint, which really wanted to make me get into acting as a kid, 
is, uh, and it's another one of my favorite movies, is Anthony Hopkins' portrayal as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Mm. That's my all-time favorite film performance, which is crazy considering- Do you think you get cast for that role? <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, nothing better than playing the villain. That's Those are the best roles. I know. Um, I he was only on screen for like 16 minutes, and he won an Oscar for it. That's how good the performance was. Yeah. And and that performance just like sealed it for me. Like, I want to act. That This is amazing. I want to be able to do what this guy does, and obviously I couldn't because here I am. Uh, but nevertheless, one of my all-time favorite movies, and it, it was a huge influence on me. Absolutely. Uh, Laddie, your turn. Uh, it's a hard decision. I like Young Blood because I'm yeah. from Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Rep- Represented the city. Oh, <laughs> Most valuable primate. <laughs> was that filmed in Hamilton? Is that at Cops? You don't have to answer if you don't want. It's no, I got, I got one. Got, oh, what okay. is it? Uh, the one that I probably had the biggest impact. I saw it at a really young age. Was Children of Men? Oh, great! You guys seen that one? Oh, Clive yeah. Owens and it. I just really I've liked the dystopian future genre. It really set me off on a bunch of those kind of movies, and it's. Maybe one of the best ones ever made. Yeah, that's when a really you good movie. Break it down. So, yeah, Children of Men probably had a huge impact. Uh, on I it. hate being this guy. Hate being this guy. But we read this in university, the book, because it was written in 1992. Oh, yeah. Was the, was like the book was better. <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy, but the book was far superior. Rough's American Prometheus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin and Maple Ridge. Ruff, did you answer? No. Is it, is it the Iron Eagle trilogy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, Iron don't Eagle let people smoke. mess with your dad. Well, what's your answer? My answer, um, well, Rocky one. here's the funny thing about a lot of movies that um, influence people. Like, um, I heard this, uh, who, I can't remember the director, uh, I, I'm just blanking on his name, the, the director of Wall Street, um, meant that as... Um, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Yeah, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone meant that as like a lesson about the perils of Wall Street. And how greed can, you know, um, affect your judgment making and ultimately, you know, it's not going to end well for you. And yet the all the good times in Wall Street and I, probably the same of like the Wolf of Wall Street, like that was meant to be a lesson. Like, don't be greedy because your life will fall apart in the end. Yeah, people miss And people, people were like, yeah, but what about all the good times that they had? So, yeah. I think there are lessons to be drawn from a movie like The Godfather. Like, I think we were even talking about it earlier in the week in that they've tried to turn, or Rick Tockett um, wants JT Miller to be more like Michael Corleone and less like Sonny, who was like emotional and would lash out and would make these decisions and would just be like, we got to get him and we and, and very reactionary, right? And he wants him to be more like Michael, who would be like, Let's think about this. More calculated. Let's keep our composure. We're still going to get our revenge, but we're going to do it in a specific way. So I like to think that I try to keep my composure. But the other one would be like probably like a comedy. Don't you in some ways think your comedy is shaped, like your own sense of humor is shaped by, it's almost like, I mean, I don't want to say none of us are original, but. I th- I think it's really rare to be an original funny person, right? Most of us take it from our friends or we take it from a movie or we take it from a specific stand-up comedian or maybe we take it take it all. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like you'll hear stand-up comedians be like, I was influenced by Richard Pryor or I was influenced by this yeah. guy or that. Everybody's influenced you know, like, by somebody. Honestly, I think much. 
I think the movie, this is weird, like Fletch in the 80s yeah. was like very influential to me because I was like, that is the type of sense of humor that I really like. It's like really dry, but it's also really cutting yeah. and you kind of have to pay attention to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. I was a kid and I watched Fletch, I was like, eh, a lot of it goes I, over your head. I don't really get this. Right. And that's kind of the sense of humor that I strive and very much fail to achieve yeah. on the show. So that would be. Mine. You know what? On the subject of uh, keeping your composure and everything, Kevin and Maple Ridge with an ask us anything. To what degree do you think the noise in Canadian markets is to blame for the no cup in Canada since forever? Between pressure on players on and off the ice and management to do something, we are our own worst enemies. There's a spinoff here about the noise, Kevin and Maple Ridge, that we were having during the break. And it's, again, possibly navel gazing, but whatever. There's like three minutes left in the show. Um, I think that we understand... More than anyone, the, the when we say, oh, just block out the noise and don't pay attention to the critics and everything, like, we're as thin-skinned as it gets. We have skin like rice paper. Like, we, someone says something negative in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket, we hurl insults back at them, and then we block them. Like, and that if is, you're having a tough day, like, it all depends on the mood you're in, how well you slept. You, you were know? on social media this week, and you acknowledged, you're like, I, you regretted some of getting in the mud and yeah, doing yeah. some slinging. You deleted some tweets, Some right? of it was also kind of funny. Yeah, and, I, it, you know... The reality of Fletch the Fletch would have tweeted those. Yeah, Fletch, right. Fletch loves social media. What um, Fletch do? The no- <laughs> I got, and I, you know what? I just I think that it'll be a never-ending conversation here, especially in Vancouver. This this noise conversation. I do agree that the one uh, the one thing that everyone can agree on is that it's never going away. So there's a text in "Ask Us Anything." You two are public figures, and I am sure in your younger days, especially, might have let some noise get to you at times. What advice would you give your younger selves or a young NHLer to deal with that better? I think the biggest piece of advice, and there's probably tons of pieces of advice, like you, and I, and this goes for people in our business too, because I've seen it happen. You are not your job. Mm-hmm. You're not your job. Yeah. So find things beyond your job, mm-hmm. which can be tough sometimes because you hear about guys like, you know, Sidney Crosby. He's got this singular focus on being the best hockey player in That's the world. It. That's it. That's all he thinks about. Mm, I kind of tend to doubt it. He just doesn't talk about the other stuff in his life. So I often wonder... You know how we joke sometimes like players get married in their 20s and, you know, they have a family and you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. you could be out there. Living you, the dream. You could be out there being a bachelor, playing the field. You know, if you're JT Miller and you've got a wife and three kids at home and you've had a bad hockey game, what better way to be distracted for good or bad, I suppose, from what just happened than to go home and have to deal with a wife and three kids. That's a distraction. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so find other things in your life whoa, whoa, whoa. because deal with, yeah, three kids and maybe <laughs> okay, the wife then. sometimes. This is so a long conversation. With. If you don't babysit your own children, that's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. But like, don't you think like, like, so I've seen it happen with media and guys, especially younger people. They're like, a lot of my self-worth is tied up in the work that I do. I was like, well, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, the problem with all of this is, and I know the music means we got to go, is that when you, and I, the the question always comes up, what advice would you give to your younger self? The answer really isn't about the advice that you'd give. It's if the younger self would accept it. And I'm not sure that my younger self would. I think the only time you accept the advice is when you're older and you know that it's good advice. At the time, you think you know everything. 
There's yeah. something to think about on the weekend. Okay, we got to get out of here for now. It's been a week, folks. I can only say that next week will be a week as well. Signing off for now. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.